I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Hey everyone, Noah here, and I have a guest with me, Dustin McCaffrey. This is cool. Uh, thanks for being on, Dustin. Yeah, happy to be here. It's exciting. Yeah, so Dustin, I guess kind of, I'd call you kind of like an internet friend. So this is kind of fun uh, to meet you and, and actually talk to you. Um, yeah, like we've just had multiple different interactions online and on Twitter. And, uh, so I've seen what you're, you're doing. And, um, one of the cool things I like about you is you're, you're always like helping other indie hackers, other entrepreneurs and trying to like give feedback. And you're like the first user for many like indie hackers, which is just really cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah it, it's like a weird thing to be known for because like I, I just kind of I got on Twitter like back in October and and had no idea what I was going to be doing there. <laughs> but then like that's what like immediately brought me so much joy was just just supporting other makers. And so I still yeah. don't even know what I'm doing with that, but it's been really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been awesome getting yeah. to know people like you. <laughs> yeah. So uh Ben, the other co-host, he is not here today. So Dustin, you're you're kind of replacing him. Um, but this is all good because we have a lot of fun things that we can talk about. Um, you're doing lots of cool different things. Um, Dustin, just so that the listeners know, Dustin is a uh, senior engineer at Copy AI, right? Uh, yeah. Are you kind of the lead engineer there? Um, no, no, I'm I am a as moderate level as a senior engineer gets. <laughs> um, we actually just <laughs> okay. That's all good. <laughs> we actually just hired uh, Saeed, um, is our, our most recent hire. He's he's a more senior level, kind of more on the front end side of things. And then uh, and then Daniel also, who's less active on Twitter, but he's he's been my coding mentor. So it's been it's been awesome. Nice. I'm learning a lot. Awesome. Yeah. So I I want to hear a little bit more about that at some point. Um, but yeah, Dustin's also done some, some entrepreneurial things. Um, you did the, the Island, which was kind of like a, a marketing community. And I was a part of that. That was, that was a lot of fun while that was going on. And, uh, you're, you kind of have a new project, Marvel, Marvel assists, um, uh, which is kind of like some human automation, helping, helping other makers, uh, do their jobs faster, kind of having people and things automate stuff behind the scenes, which is a very cool project. So I, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots of things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, I think so. Generally speaking, like my mindset with all of this to, to preface is like, I want to be able to continue helping entrepreneurs. Um, I see myself like the reason I got a full time job, I had been self employed for three years. And and felt like I, I was missing some things, both on the technical side and on the business side of like understanding decision making, um, like really like critical decision making for hiring and scaling, things like that. So so being part of Copy AI during this period feels like like the move that I needed to make um, for yeah. however long this ends up being. You know, I the initial thought was like one to two years being at Copy AI and and seeing all of those decisions being made. Um, and I'm learning a ton. I, I definitely think it was the right decision. But then after this, it's like, how can I continue enabling entrepreneurship and like helping other makers online while somehow having a profitable business? So that's really yeah. the lens. Like that's where that's where Island was born. 
um, and is where Marvel was born out of. You know, I, I'm I'm trying to more than just find like a good product that I like. I'm trying to find kind of a product culture fit for me <laughs> to to work yeah. on long term. Yeah, like a product founder fit that like mm-hmm. something that you care about and want to do. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. So so going back, what was what were you doing during those three years that you were self-employed? Yeah, so I'll try to make that short. But um, I first I went I had been working uh, full time at a at a small company um, as just like a junior programmer. And I, I was only there for about a year and a half. And on the side from like 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning, I was building a clientele, just a freelance clientele. Um, and so that quickly turned into something that was making a lot more money than my full-time job. Like even though it was only 10 hours a wow. week. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I did a whole a Twitter thread on that not long ago, just talking about like how I priced high and, and it just worked out. Um, and so, yeah, from there, I just realized that job didn't matter as much as, as trying to figure out the consulting thing. I ended up spinning that into an agency. This was back in 2018. And, uh, and, and then I got, I ended up with a, kind of a co-founder on this agency. I hired him originally for sales and he was just amazing. And so I brought him in as a co-founder. And then we turned that, we got bored of doing client work. <laughs> like you don't have ownership of that. So mm-hmm. so uh, I realized what I really wanted was to have a product. So within, I wanna say a year, within that first year, we we pivoted into our own product after seeing we could do it successfully for other people and started this restaurant loyalty app that app we raised a bunch of money for and hired some employees and had this this big snowball going for uh until the yeah, pandemic you're going all the way yeah we were going we were going all the way and then the pandemic hit we actually had lined up uh what i would think is the biggest specific to the restaurant industry the biggest restaurant tech VC was lined up to put their first dollars after raising for their their fund um, into our company. And the pandemic hit, I was in Hawaii and I got a call from my co-founder and he's like, hey, they're pulling out. You, you know, we had contracts and everything. And he's like, they're pulling out. They're, they're worried about their own restaurants. They're pulling out. And so I had to call. It was the first day of one of the hires. And I had to call everybody, including this new hire and say, hey, so... We think oh, we're going to we think we're going to run out of money because this money's not coming through because it was pretty tight. Um, and uh, that was that was the hardest thing I've done, like as a, as a self-employed yeah. person. That um, sounds very tough. Rough situation. It was it was super rough. It made me question if I ever wanted to take funding again. It was such a, a, a rough experience. And it felt like, you know, I was in these other people's control in that situation and mm-hmm. that. Like you needed their help to be able to do anything. And if, mm-hmm. if they didn't come through, then it just wasn't going to work. And there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah, that and that feels bad. You know, bootstrapping mm. feels like everything is in your control, for better or worse. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, anyway, I, I think I'm a bootstrapper at heart, but I, I'm not against raising money in the future. Yeah. So I, I had to leave that startup in uh, 2020. And I left it all to my co-founder. We we fired me and all the employees to give him as much runway as possible. 
and he's still going with that. He actually p- picked up and moved to California and raised more money eventually oh, nice. after like after eating ramen every day for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I just went right back to freelance work uh, during that period. So so freelance has always been my my fallback and what has like funded everything else. I said I was going to make this story short, but basically I went freelance and then I'm always working on something on the side. And so I I was doing that same pattern that I think a lot of uh, indie hackers do and doing that up until I ran into Copy AI. And uh, and Chris, the co-founder of Copy AI, had seen what I was working on at the time, which was entirely different than what I'm doing now, which is called Jolt. And he had played around with it and liked liked what he saw. Luckily, he didn't inspect the code. I feel like I, I faked my way in there by having like decent design <laughs> and like front end interaction skills. But yeah, so now you're at Copy AI, and and Copy AI sounds like such a sweet place to work at because they're just like so open with everything and transparent with everything, which I am not used to seeing. Um, like all of you guys, all the employees are like active on Twitter and like sharing yeah. what's going on. And then like, I don't know, like you guys seem to like be super open with just like talking about your side projects and what everyone's working on. And it's just really cool. Um, Cause like, I feel like I don't, I'm not really able to do that at my day job. And like people are kind of like, you know, kind of like hiding what's going on <laughs> every day because, you know, no one really trusts uh, everybody. And, and I don't know. So it just sounds really awesome. How did, how did copy AI start doing that? And, uh, yeah, because it just seems like a very different kind of model, um, just like the building in public kind of stuff that Copy AI does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like you and I both know that whether or not we're talking about what we're building at a company we're working at, like, you're probably going to be building something, right? So, mm-hmm. like, having having transparency with the company you're working at allows them to understand, like, what are you learning on the side? What's your, what's your timeline like? How can they support you? And, and I feel like an employer that really cares about employees and cares like not just about their own success, but about your success, which I feel like Copy AI does extremely well. And that to me is reality. Like for any larger company that is, is not doing those things, it's like you're trying, to, you're trying to hide from what like developers just naturally are. I feel like even developers that aren't as business oriented are usually building something on the side or have aspirations like you know to do something um and you want like you want your employees to be that excited about tech and you want them to be exploring new skills and and so it's really like the incentives are aligned truly if if you have employees that are working on side projects um so copy ai really i mean it was born on twitter that was the I would say the biggest moat that Copy AI had from the start is just distribution on Twitter. Uh, one of their thoughts from the beginning was like, hey, people don't really share. People who are really growing quickly, you don't see many people sharing in public like their their actual numbers. There's a lot more yeah. like indie hacking happening. And so, and, and Paul, I would say, is like a visionary and also... He's always excited about doing kind of extreme new things. So trying to take yeah. building in public to the extreme. But um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's really the most I can speak to where it came from. By the time yeah. I was there, Chris was saying, you, you should have a side project. That's great. And 
it's funny in like employee discussions together when I do like a one-on-one with somebody that's like not work related or doesn't have to be work related we always talk about side projects me and Zach like we're just talking like hey how's your side project going which to me is awesome culture we're all pumped we love like everybody's working super hard at copy AI uh, but then we're all working hard on other things uh, which is Mm -hmm. it's like the perfect culture to me in that way yeah Um, that is really cool and yeah, I, I would say copy AI is exactly what it seems like from the outside. <laughs> that, was, that was one of my questions. Cool. Like when I got hired, I was like, I don't know if it's really going to be what they purport to be like publicly, but but it's been exactly yeah. that. Super transparent. You know, you end up on like Excel spreadsheets with Paul, just like going through numbers with you and talking about what he's worried about and like, you know, just really raw, real founder stuff. And, yeah. and that's, that's why I think I'm learning as much as I am as fast as I am there. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and it, I do remember, it was just like crazy seeing Paul tweet about copy AI and just like every day kind of seeing like the numbers uptick and just like, it was a rocket ship, <laughs> just like take off. And, uh, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, I, I also had experience with Paul um, where he just randomly called me. He just like yes. messaged me on Twitter and he um, was just like, hey, what's your number? And then I just like, I, I had seen what he's done. You know, that's the other benefit of like building in public on Twitter is the people seeing what you're doing, they, they kind of grow a trust with you. And so I, you know, I didn't really know Paul, but I'd seen what he was building, that he was built, doing some cool stuff. And so I was like, sure, yeah, call me. <laughs> he just calls me like a minute later. And um, he had like some questions about some different like potential hires that he was wanting to make from like Twitter people that I happened to kind of know through Twitter. It was like <laughs> a public like... reference check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just I just thought the whole thing was cool and just how uh, Copy AI goes about you know hiring people that are like involved on Twitter and and building and public and stuff. It's, it's just, it seems like a really cool thing. Um, I I could see myself working at a place like that. Um, but yeah, so that's sweet. Um, so so you're doing that. Um, but then you do have these these side kind of things that you're going on. Uh, different businesses that you've tried. So you've you've tried you've done the island Jolt and now. Uh, Marvel. Um, so can you share a little bit of your journey of like, you know, just how you've gone through some of these different projects? What kind of has been your thinking? You know, it sounds like you're talking about trying to find like the, the product founder fit as well. So kind of what has been your kind of journey figuring that out? Yeah, the graveyard is much bigger than just those projects. You know, I've been <laughs> I've been picking up and putting down projects for uh, five or six years now, and and they they come and go. Unfortunately, maybe too fast. I don't know. It's hard to know the balance of of when to give up mm-hmm. on projects. But um, yeah. So I have probably started a total of of fifteen different projects. Some of them more technical. Some of them more. I would I would say like operations heavy, uh, and and what I found before getting into like specifics on my most recent things that I've done is that I need something that's that's more operationally heavy than it is technically heavy. I I should spend more time selling and more time connecting with people than I should spend coding. Um, I've I've found that that's like the the measure of 
of how successful and also how consistent I am with a business. And so, so for example, long time ago, years ago, I did a subscription box and it was this really quirky thing. One of my first businesses where I put together a subscription box and that you'd pay monthly for, it would come to your door and it would just have a bunch of random like craft supplies, most random stuff ever. It might have like some candy in it, a, a miniature easel, whatever else. It's just like random garbage. And then it had like a, a task for you to do and you would do the task and you'd take a picture of whatever you built with all this random stuff and you'd post it online. And then I, we would like choose a winner and give you a gift card, like whoever won this thing. Um, really interesting, weird business, but it was making yeah. money. And the, the entire determinant of success was like, how well can I get word out? How many people can I get involved in this? And then the flywheel was like people were posting online about it and bringing in more people. Mm -hmm. So it was entirely operational. And that was exciting for me. I think as soon as you like, this is, I, I've been pushing like marketing for makers uh, even since Island because you see consistently people building products and nobody ever paying for them. And I think the true excitement, like I love building things, but the true excitement for me is like people actually paying for it. Uh, and yeah, so, yeah. so like getting, getting past, getting past zero MRR, even like p past a hundred MRR is like something really wild and exciting, which you've, I, I want to talk to you about your new goals as well. You've been killing it. Um, but that, that's like, so between that and wanting to help other makers, I'm, I've kind of niched myself into like wanting something that's not super tech heavy, but something that's high impact still. Um, and that I really believe is helpful. Um, before I discovered all, like all of these kind of rules about what I think will make me successful with my business, I was working on, mm -hmm. I had just sold rocket note, which was a Chrome extension for taking notes on YouTube. I sold it on micro acquire back in, I think October and yeah, for a small amount of money, low five figures. That's cool. It was like around 10,000 cool. 10, bucks. You're, you're one of those 300 plus that uh, Mike McGuire <laughs> yeah. has sold that was, it looked like they were, had some big signage uh, in New York City or something like that. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was real or Photoshop, but yeah, I think. Me, me neither. <laughs> knowing Andrew, it's probably real. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was one of 300. I, I would say I was probably one of the earlier ones on that. Like Micro Acquire was still pretty small um, back in October. It's grown like crazy recently. And, uh, and I sold it to a guy named Nick Alt. He had like, he had sold a business to Vimeo back in the day, like a, a long time ago. And they actually sunsetted his project, but he, he did pretty well from that. And now he invests and runs some other cool businesses. Um, and just like chatting with him was a big discovery experience for me. He was, he was thinking about investing also in Jolt at the time. Um, and just, we chatted for hours and hours and, and he's a real product guy. So it helped me discover a lot of things about what would be maintainable for me as, as a founder and what products I really jive with. Um, he really loves like things that are a little bit before their time and, and like a little bit like kind of new wave retro stuff. And I was like, I don't even know what I like. I just build something like I have an idea and I build it. And yeah. so that got me thinking a lot about that kind of product founder fit. And, uh, and, and so now after that, so I worked on Jolt for a while. Progress was a little bit slow, even though I was self-employed. 
And that is probably a sign of not product founder fit. It was really like really technical. There were a lot of moving pieces to ship any feature. I had to do just a ton of, a ton of work. Um, even for things that seem small and that's just not, I'm like a fat, I like to ship fast. I like to get, I'm not afraid of like half broken MVPs, you know, I'm like, I'm, right, I'm right. all, I'm all about that side of things. Um, and, and so going from Joel, like technically when I launched Island, which was a few months back now, I think it was almost exactly three months ago. I was, I just re- decided, I was like, I had this idea. It was on a Friday in the afternoon and I was like, I'm just going to launch this today. Um, the idea I, I had just been thinking so much about how all these indie makers aren't doing any marketing, aren't even thinking about marketing or putting off marketing. And I was like, we should be accountable to each other and we should be able to give each other tips and ideas on like, here's what's working for me. Here's what's not. Here's how I motivate myself. Here's, you know, whatever else would be helpful. And it was a super rough idea in my mind, but I was, I spent like a couple hours coming up with some branding decided on a name and and it all felt pretty good so i just like launched it on twitter that afternoon um and and it kind of blew up <laughs> it kind of blew up it was the weirdest thing it kind of I, I i could tell that i had struck a chord and luckily had had been kind of known as being supportive to lots of other people and i think that helped people feel supportive of me so immediately it was like snowballing of you know i think kenneth signed up first um and and then like i was posting about that and and then other people would see that and join you know and you joined and a bunch of other like well-known people even like dan dr you know joined like all these random people were just joining blake emil who i i work with now i copy ai Mm -hmm. joined and like each time somebody like important or somebody that other people wanted to talk to joined it just snowballed a lot i Yeah, it, it was like I was inviting everybody to an exclusive group where like you could chat with pe- people who were cool that you wanted to meet from Twitter, yeah. which wasn't really the original intention, but it kind of turned into that. Um, so I would say, you know, probably a third of the people that joined, maybe half or a third of the people that joined, were really the right customer. Um, there were were quite a few people that joined, maybe for other reasons. Um, which was fine. I got up to like over 400. It was like almost $500 in MRR, like in 24 hours. And (laughs) so I think a lot of founders would like stick to it and and be like, what do I have to do to make this succeed? Um, But quickly I realized the model that I had, first of all, the model that I had, which was like voice-based communication wasn't even good for me. So I was like, not only is it not good for me, I'm like not able to find time because I'm a busy father of two you know husband I I don't spend a lot of time somewhere where I can chat you know without back like a lot of background noise um and then I was also just doing a lot of other things and it was such a high time commitment for me and so that again I was like okay I thought this would be a really good product founder fit pretty quickly was not within like a week and um and people were still talking on there you know and and there were certain people that were really excited about the group and wanted to push it more and uh yeah pretty quickly for me i decided to sunset that i i toyed with a lot of other ideas around the same theme trying to solve the problem that struck a chord with a new solution that might be a better fit um i couldn't i couldn't find anything at the time so i was like i can always tackle this later and there were some other people that were excited about if you've seen like m for m 
marketing for makers by um xavier oh yeah yep um he's he's tackling that and then there's a couple other people that asked me for permission to kind of like have successors to island um, yeah. <laughs> but but part of it that really was exciting for me i was like man this is more mrr than i've ever had and it happened in 24 hours so not only is just like being helpful on twitter and like kind of having an audience really having friends on twitter was really awesome for me like getting me to that point where i felt so excited and and inspired to to do more um but then also like operationally it was just kind of a, a win of like i could i could do this i could really i could grow something bigger like i could there's something there right yeah um and I saw also some of, of how to build up just like a hype cycle, which isn't really like, mm-hmm. that's that's not necessarily my thing or like one of my big skills, but um, but there was something there, right? I was like seeing patterns, patterns that were working. And I think that was important for me. Um, and then, yeah, after, after Island, which I took like a break from Twitter at the end of Island and like then announced this big sunsetting and from there needed to find something new and i had this big backlog of ideas um but because i had now through all these projects i've been narrowing down my criteria of what i think will succeed for me the next thing on my list is like okay still something needs to be highly operational and and low barrier to entry on the tech side of things um but but i also wanted something that had a little bit more of a moat that couldn't just be replicated quickly and so it had to be somewhat complex operationally, I was thinking. Um, but also that could still fit my audience, but scale past my audience. So the way I'm viewing Twitter yeah. these days is like I need I need something that can be tested and can find somewhat of a market fit with makers, but then can fit also enterprise. And so I wish I could draw a graphic, but there you know, I, I see that as like your your indie hackers, your your other makers are like prosumers and yep. and and can be really great paying for the things that you do and supporting you. But then at some point you have to take it to the next level. That's that's gonna get you to some smaller level of MRR. Um, but what I think you saw like as you launched even on Product Hunt, it was like a lot of, you, you had kind of gotten to this point with with Twitter then you launch on product hunt and you get a lot more wider adoption after you've like honed the product a bit more and yeah and then even past that it's like well then you can do sales to an enterprise level and then it trickles down after that and gets back to maybe the prosumer level as they see enterprise customers using it more serious Mm -hmm. customers so that's kind of the way that I'm viewing a Twitter audience is like I don't think prosumer is is my market. I don't think that's like what I want to build for, but I, I wanted something that I could talk about and be excited about with my audience and with my friends on Twitter. Um, so Marvel was born out of this, all, all of these things together. It's not- yeah, All these limitations, all these restrictions that you've kind of created for yourself, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a great way to do it. And like, I. Th- it seems like the only way to kind of build that list is like to just try stuff and like figure things out for yourself. And then like you start to grow this list of like, okay, I need my business to look more like this and, and, and kind of use my strengths in certain ways. I think that's, that's a great way to kind of, kind of get to the, the business that's best for you to, to build. Um, and that's, I feel like that's kind of what I saw in, in my journey is like trying different things as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, this was just talked about on, 
on the Indie Hackers podcast, um, this the idea of like why. Okay, so some makers do like a twelve a twelve products in twelve months sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's variations of that, but the idea is doing that allows you to see patterns um, and allows you to to understand like what will what makes a project successful for you and what doesn't. What are natural like uh, you know bumps in the road along the way with any project, and it, and it sets you up for these things. So I, I think. I didn't do it in that accelerated way of doing 12 and 12 months, but I did it, you know, over five or six years of figuring out what I think works. And this may not even be the one. I hope it is, but but I've, I'm definitely on the right track figuring out something that is going to work for me. I think. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Marvel. It sounds like it's pretty ambitious. Like you're going to be kind of automating things behind the scenes for you know, other companies or businesses, jobs that they have to do. So how does that all, all work? What, yeah. What is that gonna, gonna look like behind the scenes and yeah. How are you, how are you going to be able to do such a, an ambitious thing there? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm a little worried about it. I'm a little worried about it cause I have a full-time job <laughs> and yeah. so, so I'm going to have to hire help pretty quickly, which I'm not, I'm not afraid of, uh, afraid of doing that. I usually have like a somewhat decent budget for a solid project just because I like, I'm willing to pour all my savings into whatever I'm doing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I'm a little risky that way. That's probably not recommended. Um, but yeah, I, for me, Marvel comes from like looking for high impact, you know, kind of these, these high leverage opportunities for entrepreneurs. And one of my thoughts coming from this marketing for makers group island was, you know, I, I don't I don't know that just like accountability is what's missing from like makers doing marketing. I think for any solo entrepreneur, which there's a lot of us even outside this indie hackers community, you know, there's people who are running online stores by themselves. Lots of people. I would say that's a big group of people that we have low awareness of for anybody who's in kind of a solopreneur indie entrepreneur. Your biggest restriction is time. You know that there's a million things that you could be doing. Um, sometimes you don't have the time to learn those things. Sometimes you don't have the time to just execute on those things. But you can't do it all, really. You know, at some point you run up against time time constraints. Um, so with with Island, that was one of my big discoveries, and I had had this idea of doing like a some sort of a VA project. I, I was thinking like. AI-empowered VAs and what that would look like. VAs, by the way, for anybody who's not familiar, is virtual assistants. And virtual assistants are usually an outsourced labor that's like able to work for a lot cheaper on the dollar um, somewhere else. So I, I outsource to the Philippines because there's great, uh, basically native English speakers that for them a good wage is is you know three dollars an hour is is really pretty great. Um, and so like. To me, extremely ethical. Paying, I'm able to pay a really good rate, really high output from from workers in the Philippines, and they're really loyal. And so I'm able to hire full time. I can hire somebody for around you know six six hundred to seven hundred dollars a month and pay them really well. And if you were doing that yourself as as a founder, you would have to then take time to figure out how to manage VAs, figure out how to hire VAs, pay VAs. And then you you still have somebody that you have to manage, and and that can also be a drain on your time. 
until you can hire somebody to manage the people you manage. <laughs> Um, yep. <laughs> and so a lot of people will pay for, for like a managed VA service and there's some really great ones out there. Um, and some of them are working on some like tech enabled solutions with VAs, but nothing I've seen is really great for like st starting. I feel like there's not, there's a really low accessibility for people working with VAs right now. You kind of have to understand what you're getting into before you do it. So you might have to know somebody who's already using VAs um, to, to help like sort of automate tasks, more repetitive tasks, but with the human doing it. I'm calling that human automation. I've never really heard that thrown around, but I'm calling Marvel like a human automation platform. Um, but uh, aside from that, like accessibility layer, which the, the other piece of it is money. So all of these other managed services because it costs them a lot just to onboard you as a customer and there's some risk there they usually have like a low starting point of some somewhere around like $600 a month just just so they manage that VA for you um which really isn't that bad that's still like way better than having a full-time employee but most indie makers can't do that you know and, and you don't even know what you're going to get for that money so so here's so all of that being said, my thoughts with Marvel are like I want it to be more accessible, I want it to be more understandable, and I want anybody to be able to start um, and like see what it feels like to have a VA doing work for them. And so Marvel is like a transactional, almost like micro transactions. You pay per task that you have done, um, and so you keep just a list on Notion of all your tasks, and Marvel has an integration with Notion, so we just we can see all those tasks come in and then we add like a price right now it's a manual process adding a price eventually that will be like ai categorization to figure out what kind of tasks you're having us do um, but most everything is going to start manual and transition into heavier tech over time mm -hmm. um, and and so yeah so so you'll be given like a budget and then you can approve that task being done by somebody else. So you could keep your normal task list of like, here's all the stuff that I just have to do. And then if the price fits, you just have a VA take it. Um, and then like the results for that are given to you in a link directly in that notion too. So you could, you could never go back to Marvel's website and always just approve tasks on this list and have everything be like human automated for you. Um, yeah. So I'm breaking That's down cool. accessibility is the idea, right? Like I want anybody to be able yeah. to do it. Yeah, I like, of course I like Notion. So I, I kind of like the idea of having like a, a dashboard where all this stuff is just like happening and you can kind of see the status of things and uh, just kind of give tasks away and stuff. That that sounds pretty cool. Um, so help me know or understand a little bit more like what kind of tasks can a VA do? And I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't understand that, right? Like, so like how, yeah, what, what kind of tasks make sense to have on this notion list that a VA is gonna take and pick up? Yeah, so in general, first, I am a huge believer in, in most people being able to learn to do anything pretty well, right? So VAs are like anything else. Anybody, any VA I've worked with right now, I can say, hey, have you ever edited a video before? And they'll say no. And I'll say, can I teach you how to do that on like a basic level? And it's always yes. And then within a couple months, they're better than than I am at that task. You know, and then I have like a trained 
specialized em employee instead of just like a, a generic sort of like all around generalist hire. Um, and so that's that's really my mindset is anybody I hire starts as as a generalist and then I teach them specific skills to be able to contribute in more specialized ways. Um, the things that are well known that BAs can handle for you are more repetitive tasks, uh, things that are either you know algorithmic or or fairly trivial and repetitive tasks. Um, so anything from like data entry to uh, like lead discovery to you know anything else that you, instead of spending your time going on on LinkedIn and messaging a bunch of people with unique messages, if you really don't want it to be a bot, you want it to seem real and 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 you know like you've researched their their background and all those things. Well, you want a human doing that, um, and so yeah. it's it's the closest thing. You know, in my eyes, like AI is really great, but there's still a human level where you know if you're going to use Copy AI, great product. <laughs> shout out um then it's it's going to be you that's the human level you're going to be deciding what is the a good output from the ai you're going to tweak it a little bit and then you're going to use it wherever you want to use it well marvel's kind of that next step of like well now let's add a human into that interaction and there's actually a few levels so let's say you wanted to have blog posts written by marvel the first step would be a VA using AI to generate a bunch of ideas for your blog. And then after that step, they're going to then take that, use AI again from any like basic idea, and they're gonna build out kind of a, uh, an outline for that blog. And then they're going to be the ones that write. And, and AI, these AI toolings, you can have levels of like, uh, you know, language. So I could technically hire anybody from anywhere in the world and it will translate into English just with an AI kind of a layer in that the API service. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, there can be a grammar level. So it'll like, it'll translate to English and then fix all the grammar. Uh, and so after that point, the, the VA is gonna make it as good as they can. And then they're gonna hand it off to, to a native English speaker. Um, that's kind of a more specialized, more business oriented person, which starts as me and then turns into somebody I, I hire, you know, a team of people I hire that are US based. Um, and, and that's like the final level of, of interaction that any piece of content would have. And, yeah. um, and then, so after all this entire like process of layers happening, uh, then you get back like a, a pretty good product. And so, yeah, so anything, usually what I've been saying, you can do any task. Uh, with a VA, but sometimes they have to be trained because I'm training them. They can do a lot more tasks than uh, any like new hire VA would be able to do. Um, but it's basically repetitive, algorithmic writing or research are like the main categories. Um, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. That's that's pretty cool. And it, it sounds like there's that whole process that you're working on and figuring out, which is the, you know that that's the challenge for you. So like, where, where are you at in that? Um, cause I, I think you have a few customers that you're starting to work with, um, mm -hmm. with this and, um, you know, just as you scale it out, like what's that gonna, gonna look like? Yeah. It looks like expensive for me at first. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, so I'm solving some problems with dollars at first. Um, I need people to be using it in order to have people using it. I need to have more than one full-time VA. Um, and so there's like a high upfront cost. 
and and then I also have to be willing to put in the hours like outside of my normal work hours. So so mm-hmm. like those are the main problems with it right now, which is why I'm very slowly onboarding people. And I ha- I have a list of you know 25 or so people that are excited about it, but uh, it's going to be a very slow process of moving like more people on at first. Most people aren't going to have like a really high amount of tasks that they're that they're putting in at first or approving. Um, but yeah, I mm-hmm. I like that's why operations is the biggest concern. Like I need to be able to keep up with you know, there's going to be peaks and troughs and then I'm, I need to be figuring out like, can I be profitable still in the trough, you know, with including the trough periods and how how can I make it like consistently profitable over time? Um, and then also, like, if I get a big influx of customers because there's manual labor involved, like how, let's say I did a product hunt launch, like, and I got a bunch of new users, will I have the the bandwidth to take all those tasks and get them done in a reasonable amount of time without, like, just wanting to go lay in bed all day <laughs> um, yeah, and just yeah. g- giving up? Um, so there's still some questions there, which is why I'm starting out pretty, pretty small, but so far, like on a small level, it works really well and, and gives pretty great output, I would say, compared to what you would expect from, um, any new, like generalist VA hire or, or, or just pure, pure AI automation. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you have like one VA or two VAs that you're working with right now? Like, is that the scale that you're at right now with it? Yeah, I just have one. And, and as soon as I even do like a soft launch, I'll need another one. Um, I'm, I'm going to be operating at a loss for a while. There's no way that I, I can't. I, I don't see any way I wouldn't operate at a loss because I'd rather have more VAs than I need than less VAs just to make sure everything is running smoothly and that I have an idea of like what it takes realistically to happen um i also want to spend as little of my time as possible uh actually completing tasks so like realistically what would happen if i got a massive influx i'd be talking to all my friends and family and being like can i train you to do this really quick Uh, (laughs) like it takes time to hire somebody new you know so i need to i need to have time to to get that process down i think i think it'll end up with you know a team of full-time people and then a, a, an extra team of like kind of flux employees. Um, that's the only way that I've found that makes sense long term to do it. But I'm worried about having flux employees because so far full time employees from the Philippines are the most loyal people I've ever met. And they'll kind of do anything to do a good job. Um, mm-hmm. And with part any experience I've had with a part time VA has been much less that way. So yeah yeah so yeah this seems like it's pretty cool like this is a kind of a business that like you're kind of saying like the the demand is kind of already there and like you can already see that the demand for services like this are there it's more just like figuring out the operational side like that's kind of the the risk is figuring that out and doing it in a way that's sustainable you know for you and your money and (laughs) all that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i mean that's pretty cool because i you know if you grow this out and, and kind of slowly grow this out, like you, I could see, you know, a business working here um, and you making this work. So yeah. that's pretty cool. That's, that's a cool uh, kind of a business to find for yourself. Yeah. I, I think it's a good fit, you know, and at the same time, part of my big vision is like, I, I want to come out with these starter packs. So I did a test one on Twitter where I was like, here's what you can do with $50 with Marvel. 
um, to like improve your sales pipeline. Um, and, and it's really amazing when I break down the numbers of like, okay, here's what it would cost me. Here's what I would charge per task. This is what it would cost an end user. Like for 50 bucks, you can do a lot. And so if I'm able to sort of educate and then help indie hackers, like have really high leverage dollars, just like per dollar impact can be really high this way, then I'm able to do exactly what I also want, which is like, I can educate and empower other makers with, with, you know, the ability to scale higher without needing to spend a lot of money. Um, so yeah. I, I see this like still being a really good product founder fit for me in that I can continue helping in that way and supporting others in that way and come out with like, you know, here's, here's a, a ton of things you can do with 50 bucks a week, which I think is, is yeah. huge. Um, that is pretty cool. So have you, I'm, I'm guessing you've probably already thought of this, but what if like, as you're, you know, kind of starting out, what if you kind of picked the the niche that, you know, Marvel could help with to be pretty small? Like maybe it is just like finding leads or something with the sales pipeline um, and just kind of like hitting one of maybe the most important niches that you see a lot of people interested in having help with. But then that means that on your side, the operations are maybe easier, which like you're only training your VAs to do these kind of specific things. Uh, you get really good at doing that area. And then you can kind of grow to maybe another little niche and kind of add something else and be like, okay, now you guys can add these kind of tasks to your, your notion lists. Uh, I'm guessing you've thought of this, but yeah, what are, you, what are you thinking about that or your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth exploring. And, and maybe I end up going back to that uh, concept if I'm not able to get something working consistently, my thought is that a big piece of, of what makes sense with my early audience is understanding like the wide array of, of types of tasks that they need done and then learning how to train VAs quickly and efficiently and across all the VAs having like systems and processes that can be enabled by technology. Um, so, so the idea is that if AI can be sort of this like this this way to have structured creativity you know any va could jump in and use whatever technology we have behind the scenes um to to then like empower them to do sort of any task that we've defined um you know kind of imagining like having copy ai um or you know it's just an ai tool but instead of the toolings being generic for anybody they're specific to the vas specific to the task types that we take on and to me, it's important to collect that data pretty early on and not not shy away from having like a, a really horizontal scope of things. Um, the VAs actually, in my experience, do a really great job handling new types of tasks as long as they're yeah, not too, yeah. they, as long as they don't stray super far from what they're used to doing. Um, and so I the goal is to have lots of, I just have notion pages of different task types and like what it takes to do those tasks and what tools to use to do those tasks. And I want to get those documents good enough that any VA can come in when, and without even talking to me, be able to just go through that kind of checklist of any task type and come out with a good product. And that's what I see as a, as a huge benefit of having an AI layer is like you have these structured tools that, that kind of push you in the right direction. Um, so that's mm -hmm. my goal right now is I need to have the, the, any, any result, any outcome of a task be good still like, like really high quality, but also it's a lot of like collecting data on, on 
what tasks make sense, what tasks people ask for most, which are most profitable. You know, like when you look at um, just like cost versus value for, for any customer, it's like, well, if I have to spend 20 bucks on a blog post, like, is that worth it to, to the everyday entrepreneur? Um, or if it's, if it's $6, can I be profitable? And I need to figure that out across a lot of different tasks before I launch big. And so it would be a pretty slow process, I think, if I specialized with with just like a small number of people and then expanded still with a small number of people. So I'm, I'm looking for a wider spread. And I, I think that's the thing that makes sense. But you also could be right. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's cool. Lots of lots of things to figure out. And uh, it's, that's that's what makes it all fun. That makes it that's what makes it exciting. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you're I'm just curious, does because uh, you're doing all these different side businesses and stuff. How does your uh, wife handle all the different <laughs> things you're doing? And I, cause I, I know I have this with my wife and she's always like, what, what are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, my wife is super supportive. She's amazing. Um, yeah. I would, there were like four years when I started this, we didn't know if I'd make any money. We didn't know if it, like anything was worthwhile at all. Um, in some ways, like maybe we still don't. But um, I think up until I went self-employed for the first time and was able to do that and like provide for us, we had a house, you know, a mortgage and like, and Mm -hmm. kids. And so, so as soon as I like, I I don't know, proved for three years that I could do it and like make ends meet on my own. And she saw like that I can make money online. I think that was like the biggest, the biggest first hurdle was like, why are you quitting your job? And we had to talk a lot yeah. to like get to that point where we both felt comfortable doing that. Um, like now I think it's a lot simpler. She's just like, all right, I trust you, but I don't want to hear about like every new venture until like it's kind of further along. Yeah. So <laughs> that's She's like, I invest so hard, like mentally in whatever you're doing and like want to believe it's all going to be successful. So we're, we're at this point now where it's like, I, she doesn't even know really about Marvel, like, or, or really what I'm doing. She just knows that I'm working on something, and that's that's where we're at until it gets further. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, Dustin, for coming on and sharing all that stuff. Um, like I said at the beginning, uh, you've been really helpful to a lot of people, and you've been helpful to me. I think you were maybe my somewhere from like fifth to eighth customer on Potion, and gave me lots of great feedback. And so that was super helpful to me. Uh, so I've I've really benefited from you helping helping different founders, helping, helping me with potions. So I, re- I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. It's been awesome seeing you hit the level of success you're at now. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I love, I love sending people your way. I'm still referring people to you all the time. Uh, oh, but awesome. it's just a great product. Thanks. It's been awesome seeing you grow. Thanks. And, and yeah, again, thank you for coming on and sharing and, uh, maybe we can have you on sometime in the future and, and see how, how, how far you've gone with what you're working on and with Marvel. Definitely. Yeah. I wanted to hear more about, more about you, but I guess, uh, that'll have to be for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got me talking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, we def- definitely wanted to hear, uh, what you're up to. So, all right. Well, thank you listeners for joining in and I'll, I'll put all the, the links to, to what Dustin's been working on in the show notes so you can check it out. Um, but otherwise we'll talk to you in another episode. Bye.